Hello and welcome back to Touching Base PR Edition. My name is Jamie Gerke and I'll be your host today. This is the podcast where I help aspiring communications professionals create the careers they dream of. Through fun interviews with top-notch PR and marketing pros, you're going to gain a wide understanding of the industry and know how to make your mark. Let's do it. Wow, it is super weird to be picking up the microphone right now and recording this intro. Um, all right, let's just get right into it, I guess. Today's episode is with Marla Clendenin. She is a creative partner at 212 Communications. And me and Marla talk about a ton of different things. I loved this conversation with her. We talked about how people around us influence us, media consumption, creating your portfolio, um, the difference between corporate versus um, a PR agency, just tons of different things like that. It's such a great episode, especially if you're looking to get into PR, because we honestly spend a lot of time talking about her journey into PR, why she chose PR, and a bunch of things like that. I guess I... Don't really have a personal and professional highlight like I usually do because I have more of like a life update, where I've been, why I haven't posted an episode since March kind of thing, Um, and just kind of generally what what I've been up to. So if you listen to my last episode in the um, introduction, I sounded like an absolute mess. And I did mention a little bit mental health struggles a little bit like that. Um, basically, long story short, I got broken up with and I just didn't have the energy to create content. It was kind of something that became a part of like my relationship was that whenever I wasn't at work, I was usually with my boyfriend at the time and I would be editing by him and doing things like that. So, so much of like my identity around this podcast, um, became something I was doing with him or around him. And so it was really hard for me at first to go ahead and create content on my own because it felt like it was something that was intertwined with my relationship. However, I had this show before my relationship. I'll have it afterwards. Um, And so I really took the time to date myself, I guess is what I'm going to go with. Um, I really spent a lot of time focusing on myself. I'm still in therapy, still doing things like that. Um, you can find a more comprehensive update on my life on my TikTok, which is Jamie in Motion, or my Instagram, which is Jamie in JPEGs. But I really spent a lot of time piecing myself back together, started therapy, like I said. I threw myself into work and discovering what I was so passionate about. Um, I got to travel a bunch with the St. John's softball team, and I had so much fun doing that and exploring um what was so great about softball is that they play series so they play three games in each city that they go to so I got to explore DC I got to explore Philadelphia and they were these like solo trips really because I wasn't always with with the team like when I went exploring I was usually by myself I took a five mile hawk girl walk through DC and I had so much fun um so I really threw myself into that discovering what I was passionate about um I really, really dove into my love for social media and creating content. The St. John Softball Instagram is actually my pride and joy right now. I absolutely love the account. I love the way it turned out during the season. I loved creating content and learning more about it. Um, and just like I was so excited about it. It was something that made me so, so, so happy. Um, 
And now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm ready to like take control of my platforms again. Um, I also started recording for YouTube again. So just use my voice to make a difference. So thank you for supporting me in the absence. Um, let me talk the next couple of weeks. I have some pre-recorded episodes from um, back in January that never got edited and never got up. So I'll have those coming out for the next few weeks. Thank you so, so, so much to the guests that stood and watched their episodes not go live because I was taking this break. It's so, so appreciated that you took the time to be on the show. I'm so excited for all of you guys to hear these episodes, hear all this advice. Moving forward, we're going to have those episodes. We'll record some new interviews. I'll keep updating you guys on my personal and professional lives. And we're going to really take control of Touching Base 2.0. I'm just so excited for everything moving forward and thank you guys again for supporting me. All of that being said, let's hop right into this interview with Marla. I'm Marla Clendenin and I am creative partner for 212 Communications. Amazing. So before we hop into all of the communications questions, I will have one or two hot seat segment questions to ask you. So... My first question for you being that you are a native New Yorker, what do you prefer, New York bagels or New York pizza? That is a really great question. I'm going to have to go with New York bagels because I truly don't think you can get a bagel like you can in New York anywhere else. And if anyone else tries to fight me on it, I stand my ground. Um, I I wholeheartedly agree. Yes. A hundred percent. I'm also, I'm not a big pizza person. I'm a big bagel person though. What is like your go-to bagel order? Okay. Get ready. Um, I'm sesame ready. bagel, cream cheese, and bacon. So I feel like a lot of people judge me that I like to add bacon with the cream cheese, but it's like, you know, when you've had a little too much to drink the night before and you want to wake up and have something salty and sweet and all the good stuff. So I always pair those two together I feel like everyone judges my bagel order too I go I go kind of plain I just like my bagel with two eggs scrambled but Mm. I convinced myself in high school that tie-dye bagels taste better than plain bagels even though it's just food coloring so I always get it on a tie-dye bagel not a plain bagel unless I go to like a store and like sometimes the tie-dye bagels just like don't look fresh because they're like not popular anymore so whenever I have someone like go place my bagel order for me I'm like use your judgment, decide whichever one looks fresher. I'm trusting you. That is such a good call because usually I, I used to be like, oh, let me be a little healthy. Like, let me get a whole wheat bagel. And then I've come to realize that those are the worst bagels because not many people order them. And I'm like, <laughs> just have the damn bagel. <laughs> like, So I go with what I want now. It is definitely a struggle getting the proper bagel, but Other than that, my other question for you is, if you could have any dinner with any person, dead or alive, who would you pick and why? I am really proud to say I used to be embarrassed by it, but it would have to be Taylor Swift. Um, She is my icon for everything. Um, I think she's a phenomenal songwriter. I also think she's a phenomenal marketer, and I would love to sit down and pick her brain about all of her campaigns how she runs them, what signals she chooses, where her inspiration comes from. I think that would be really cool. I agree. I am such a Taylor Swift stan. Um, which re-record are you most excited for? 
So it's funny you say that because my group chat was just blowing up this morning. Um, I think I have to say speak now because we think that's the next one. So we'll see if it is. Um, I think that was the era where I was starting to have my first crushes and fall in love and have heartbreak, but it was such a beautiful album. And I think that was the first one she wrote entirely on her own and didn't have help from anyone else. Um, and I, I think it's just like a phenomenal record. So I'm really excited. <laughs> I think the one I'm most excited for, I'm so excited for speak now and I do think it is next as well but I'm so excited for debut mm. because teardrops on my guitar is like my song like that is like if you had to pick a Taylor Swift song for me like any of my friends would be like teardrops on my guitar that's it like that's my vibe my song and that is the one I am most looking forward to hear re-recorded I think I'm literally gonna break down when that one comes out but that is where I'm going <laughs> That is totally fair. And I think her debut album is going to have the most surprises for us. I think that she's going to really knock it out of the park. Like we're going to be very surprised to see like what songs she unearths from her like youngest days. Um, I hear you on tour of some my guitar. I will say Tim McGraw is still my number one for that <laughs> album. Something super simple about it. Um, and I often debate my friends on which is better Taylor's version or, um, Maggie Rogers version of mm -hmm. Tim McGraw. The marketing behind it is also just incredibly mm -hmm. fascinating. Like I, you know, she has everyone, you know, constantly, you know, creating theories, going down rabbit holes. She's given us a product that's like invaluable. Like she's figured out the code to speak to our emotions. So that's what makes it desirable in the first place. But then now she also has us on a wild scavenger hunt. That's also so fun. Like, I think it's, I think it's hilarious. I think it's so engaging and it's so smart to just, you know, continue making her old stuff seem fresh. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. She's doing a great job with it. And I'm so excited to see the rest of them. Cause I feel like we've only gotten two of them. We're still waiting for four more three more three yes. more yeah three yes. more uh, they're all gonna be like it reputation is gonna be really interesting too um there's like rumors that there was like an album stacked in between reputation and mm -hmm. um and uh when it was 1989 so we'll see what happens there I have this like dream for 1989 that she's gonna record style with Harry Styles I a hundred percent think that he will definitely be featured on one of the tracks yes and I also I need Joe Jonas on one on some on oh from speak now well they kind of they already confirmed that they're collaborating on something because like Nick Jonas I think posted a TikTok mm -hmm. about their the collaboration same, and Nick Jonas posted something with the same glitch effect that Taylor Swift yes used. yeah I think that's definitely gonna happen um yeah it's going to be so fun. I'm, I'm just excited to see, but then also she like turned out folklore and evermore. And those were bangers. Like I just, mm -hmm. I think folklore, like I really go back and forth on my favorite Taylor Swift album. Cause lover has some of like my all time favorite tracks, but folklore is by far her best writing that I think she's ever produced. I love evermore. And she does not acknowledge evermore. She doesn't. She kind of is like, whatever, but. And I then do you think that there's a, do you think there's a third album to go along with folklore, folklore Evermore and the third album? Great question. I would love there to be. I don't think there is because she debunked a theory on one of the late night shows where she, you know, I don't know if you remember, there was like a, 
a design error where Woodvale mm -hmm. was in like white writing on the cover yeah. so you couldn't see it. And she said, there is no third album. Like, I don't want to crush anybody's dreams. Um, I could see her potentially making one more based off of how much her fans have gravitated towards these albums. Um, I, you know, it's really hard to say what she's going to do next, but I, I feel like she's still diving into the indie stuff. Like she recorded some more songs with, um, the national, um, yeah, it's just, it's really hard to say where she's going to go next. Probably we'll dabble in some more, um, uh, writing for movies, like songs for movie soundtracks. Kind of switching gears totally to let's get into the communications focus oh. questions. Yes, we can um, talk about Taylor Swift all day, so it's good that you are stopping me. Yes, can you go ahead and tell me where you went to school and what you got your degree in? Yes, I went to Loyola University, Maryland in Baltimore, and I got my degree in advertising slash public relations with a minor in marketing. Amazing. So I think you are the perfect person now to answer the question, what is the difference between PR, marketing, and advertising? Okay. Whoa. All right. Let's break it down. Um, so PR is about developing relationships with stakeholders and that can come in a lot of forms. Like it can be your media relations. So your it's, I like to think of it as the most trusted form of, um, the most trusted form of communication because what you're doing is you're taking your client's stories, your client's best stories and getting it out into the public. So that is building trust with reporters who need assistance with stories that they're currently writing about. So you're constantly building those relationships so that when something like the COVID-19 pandemic comes around, you have a doctor who is ready to give expert advice to your reporter, let's say. Um, but for PR, it's all about, it's also what I think is unseen about PR. It's about building relationships with stakeholders directly in your community. So that's like engaging directly with, um, uh, you know, nonprofits in the area. So like, for instance, we like to say we only like to work with companies who care about their communities. And we kind of exclusively have chosen clients who um, give a shit about their neighborhoods and invest in them. So we often find or help our clients find nonprofits that they can um, invest in, partner with, and do some really incredible things with. Um, so for instance, PR can be look like something like that, or PR can be, you know, is a speaking opportunity right for our client? How can we find them and connect them with meaningful organizations where their expertise is going to go a long way. And of course we're there and we step in when a crisis occurs, but um, for the most part, PR is kind of that, like it's the most um, like the trustworthy stamp of approval. Like when you're reading a story and you see a quote from a thought leader, absolutely are we helping them form their words, get out the quotes, sure, but it's still their insight that we're just packaging in a really digestible format. So that's kind of how I view PR. Um, Marketing is more based on KPIs and, you know, ensuring that your website and your, your um, owned content like blogs are set up for sales leads. So you, you know, I do some content writing where it's like you're trying to 
um, direct people to your sales products. So that could be developing your own content, which it still earns a lot of trust from your stakeholders, but you have a little bit more control of it. Um, you're really looking for like SEO um, when you're searching on Google. And then you also want to keep directing people back to a nice flow um, for your sales leads. Cause at the end of the day, you know, you're likely a company who would like to make money. So it's all about just finding the right target audience. Um, and then lastly, for advertising, that is, this is where the trust can waver with audiences. So I think brands are becoming a lot smarter about how they advertise. I would see in the last few years, we've seen a definite uptick in influencers, particularly with micro-influencers. Brands are trying to locate individuals who care about their products and their audience is correct for um, the products that they can showcase, but there's still money involved on both ends where, you know, they're paying someone to promote their product. You see that on podcasts a lot where someone's, you know, paying you to advertise, you know, a certain brand of mattress or um, a shampoo product. Um, so that can kind of like edge on the line of untrustworthiness, but I first, when I was looking at communications as a career, I fell in love with advertising because I love copywriting. And I think when you can find the balance of entertainment and education in advertising, I think that's like your sweet spot. Um, and I've always just been amazed with commercials, especially like when you look at something like the Super Bowl where everybody's watching your every move and wants to see the incredible storylines, the images, what, you know, what taglines are going to make you feel really inspired, like Nike, just do it. It's like, you're never going to forget the feeling that they make you feel. So I've always said it's my goal in life to make a commercial or piece of content that makes someone cry mm -hmm. from just being sad or cry from laughing too hard. So I think advertising can bring out some really cool emotions. Um, and I would say, just a common thread that I'm seeing that ties through all three of those is social media. It's still a form. I don't know. I, I go back and forth, but I'd kind of lump it into all three advertising, marketing, PR, because it is owned content, but you can put some advertising dollars behind it and it can lead to more sales leads. And, but also for PR, I think it's so powerful that right now, you know, you're a CEO who's facing a crisis or, you're a celebrity who's in hot water, like you can just hop on Instagram live and say, hey, this is what's going on from my perspective. Whether people believe mm -hmm. you or not is up to them, but a PR person can absolutely be behind the scenes and say, you know, help you, you know, articulate your thoughts and feelings in a really transparent way. So for me and for especially my company at 212, it's like, we're all about transparency. We're not trying to gloss over things. We're not trying to, you know, I think PR gets a bad rep of like, oh, you're just covering things up and you're, you know, you're like the puppeteer behind the story. And it's like, no, we're just trying to tell the most authentic story possible. But um, as you can see me rambling right now, sometimes words are just hard to say and spew out. And, you know, that's where it comes with a second set of eyes to help you out. Um, did that answer your question? I it so. definitely did. And so I want to ask you, based on that, yeah. I want you to tell me about your experiences in undergrad, any internships you did, and why you ultimately chose to do PR. Sure. So when I went into Loyola, I was originally an undecided major. I was always fascinated with 
psychology. Like I've always felt in gravitation towards like social sciences. But then one day I found out that talking was a major and I was like, communications, here I am, like, let's go. So I decided to um, go the communications route and my dad is in PR. Um, so he was in more of the crisis um, situation. You probably are familiar with this, but Con Edison, like the electrical company for New York, he, um, it's, it's a, can be a thankless job at times, but he was the person, if there was a hurricane, if there was a heat wave, he would be the person on TV saying, hey, here's what's happening. <laughs> here's how you deal with the down power lines. And here's how to make your house cooler in the summer. So um, I, you know, I watched him do a lot of press releases and a lot of crisis situations. Um, and it was always super fascinating to me. And I think just writing has always like run through my blood. Like I have a lot of my family members are writers. Um, so was gravitated towards um, that when I went to Loyola and I like I, I can clearly remember that every communications course I took I loved like we had to take a lot of core classes with math and science and um, uh, language which were all huge roadblocks for me and I had a hard time paying attention and I you know it got through them but I could definitely tell it wasn't my forte um, so throughout college, um, I did a few interesting things that I think have helped shape me into um, where I am today. The first is the most oddball job that I think I'll ever have, but it was my favorite thing that I did in school. And that was that I wanted to make a little money and I was um, a, a part of phonathon, which is when you sit and talk to alumni and ask them to make donations back to the school. Um, because it really helps with our endowment and, you know, our alumni participation is super mm -hmm. important. So I called for a year and I found it to be so fun learning how to speak with different personalities every night and kind of, you know, it was not only speaking to people who have donated previously, but people who have never donated before. So what I gathered from that whole experience was like, it's all about building connections. Um, and that was such a fun, it was just like a fun social experiment too, to see what people would react to. Like, I remember I had this one guy who he didn't want to donate. And he was like, as soon as I, he answered the phone, he's like, I'm not donating. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like, let's, let's diffuse the situation here. And I saw on his alumni profile, he was a part of the CIA. And I was like, I see here, you work for the CIA. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, so what, secrets can you tell me and then he immediately broke down started laughing and he was like we ended up having a really funny conversation and then he ended up donating so it was just I don't know that whole time for me was a really good way to you know see how to react to different audiences like different audience want to hear different things and also people want to be um, spoken to as humans at the end of the day so you know I it was such a fun experience and then from there I ended up like managing the call room so it was also cool to coach other people how to speak and how to act on the phone which I guess I'm like as I'm talking this out I'm realizing relates a lot to media coaching so when you're prepping a client for an mm -hmm. interview you know you have to remind them to slow down and you know, get your talking points across and just always focus on the connection because people trust personality um, when it's authentic over anything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so from there in college, I was so fortunate to intern at two great places. One was um, Nichol- Nicholas and Lens Communications was my first mini internship and they were so kind and um, it was more of a traditional PR setting, um, but they worked in more of the restaurant tourism hospitality s- space. And that was where I just learned. I remember like my my boss, he gave me um, a piece of pa- the newspaper every day. And he said, go through the newspaper and put a post-it note on every single story that would resonate with our current client list. And at first I was like, this is interesting. This feels like not weird, but definitely like, why am I doing this? And then I quickly realized it's because your clients, they expect you to be your eyes and your ears. So, you know, you always want to be looking at what's going on in their industry because um, it always sparks innovation in their own company. It shows them where their competitors are being featured and how they can also insert themselves in those conversations. Um, so many times we'll, you know, we'll talk to clients and they're like, how do I, like, I see this competitor is in this space. Like, how do I also join that? So that is where I learned all of those, um, those kind of like entry skills into PR. And I used to have to make pretty like newspaper clips if our client was featured somewhere. And that's where I learned how to present. And it was, again, it seems like small, tedious tasks when you're pulling clips, but, you know, at the end of the year and your client asks you, what have you done for the year for me? You're able to say, this is exactly what I've done. And this is where we showed up the strongest and here are our weak points and here's how we can improve for next year. Um, And then the summer after that, I had my most magical experience. I was a corporate communications intern at Kate Spade, New York, and it was so much fun and I like I am all about the girly dresses and heels and fashion and I just it was such a magical experience um I got to work um on the public relations team specifically um and that is where I learned a lot of actually the um like I was discussing before the work with nonprofits and the um developing a corporate um corporate like social responsibility program so we um, we ended up organizing this event where um, they were empowering women I I believe it was in Africa but I I can check on that but it was they they found a small town where they gave everyone the materials to um, start their own business within the town and then they Mm -hmm. sold it as part of the Kate Spain line too um, that was really cool because I got to meet the woman who started the initiative and just some of the, the product lines behind that too. Um, but specifically at that internship, I got to work on the home line. Um, they challenged all of the interns to break up into groups and present a new, um, like a new marketing plan for whatever product we were selected to promote. So we got the home line, which was really fun. So we ended up pitching this idea for um, a bar restaurant that um, would include all of the furniture from the home line. And then the basement of it would be like a cooking class with all of the plates and bowls and tools. So you could come to the restaurant, experience, um, you know, great food, great times and a cooking class, but you also had the option to buy the products at like a discounted rate after. So that was fun. That was my first experience working with um, 
a team whose skill sets were just phenomenal. Like I had one girl on my team who was a whiz at finances. I had one guy who was an incredible designer who, you know, anything he drew on a napkin was gorgeous. And I'm just like, it, that's where I learned, you know, to always have like the strong team around you. A pivotal moment was my capstone class, um, where it was for advertising specifically, but it, we ran the class like an agency. Um, my professor always brought in really cool brands. We got to work with Under Armour for this one, lead the copywriting team. And we um, like pitched a new line, their new line of clothes. And, you know, I'm trying to think of what we did for that. We came up with this tagline, like um, that just like emphasized the, the, uh, the softness, the durability of the clothes. So that's mm -hmm. when I got to start playing with words and, um, really making some creative stuff alongside some cool people. Multiple follow-up questions, but first I want to go back and first say, you said that you loved your dad was in crisis PR to begin with. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to say like dads for the win. I feel like I also, <laughs> I do sports communications now and I got into sports PR because my dad is the scorekeeper for the Knicks and college basketball at the garden. Oh, so, so cool. I feel like I grew up in that environment. So when I like wanted to, when I had no idea what I wanted to do at all, my friends were like, you literally love sports and like you're there all the time. Like, well, like why didn't, and I was like, oh, well that makes sense. Like, why didn't that just click in my brain? You know, the people around us really shape who we become. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause I do think sometimes there's this negative connotation of like, um, don't follow in your parents' footsteps and set your own path. And, you know, like, especially if you're like a lot of rom-coms are like, don't go to the college your parents want you to go to. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, don't follow them. But you forget that you did like, for the most part, come from their DNA. And you, you know, you probably have picked up some similar qualities and characteristics. Um, yeah. And I think it's like, I think it's totally cool to follow in those footsteps and, um, you know, and then also put your own spin on it. Like, I think my dad's an expert at crisis. I am not, I'm good in a crisis. Like if my friends need a breakup text, I'm like, I got you, but for, um, you know, for my full-time job, I definitely have more of a creative spin on things. Um, which is very similar to my mom who likes to make her own like holiday cards. And mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, I got that from her. Um, so it's, it's interesting. When you were pulling those media clips and cl for clients every day, it kind of reminded me, I feel like so often I hear from people in PR that they were asked in an interview, what media outlets do you look at every day? First things first, E! News. I am a like sucker for celebrity gossip. <laughs> so while that's not the most mature answer, it is like where my passions lie, a lot of celebrity stuff. But it's also interesting to see from a PR standpoint, um, the um crazy like hot water that people get themselves into um and then how they respond to it via statement so that's pretty interesting to me um in terms of news I really do love the skim um the newsletter that comes every morning because I just get a really lovely breakdown of the important headlines that are happening um also the morning brew is a great newsletter um in terms, you know, it's, it's just tough. I used to have Apple news and I really liked how you could have access to a few, um, a few publications, but, um, since a lot of our clients are still based in Baltimore, I'll still pick up the Baltimore sun, Baltimore business journal. Um, I really enjoy, I love like a good 
like New York Magazine um, article, mm -hmm. um, The Cut, um, New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal. I really like what Bloomberg is doing. Um, so yeah, those are just a few like I peruse. Um, I try to keep it pretty um, level across the board because I know, you know, I took a, in high school, I took a, um, one of our, my history professors had an assignment. I was an election year and he said, I want you to watch a debate, the debate on Fox, um, you know, CNN um, and compare the two and how they cover it. So I think from a young age, I was really lucky to learn that there are, there are bias and there are slants in all publications. And so what's a healthy practice is to look at everything that you can. Mm -hmm. So, but also recognize when something is absolutely fake and not I true. So that you just said that. And it is so funny because in my house, my brother and I are both, um, Democrats and my parents are both mm -hmm. Republicans so mm -hmm. my brother and I will be upstairs and like we'll have CNN on and then downstairs we'll have Fox on and they're covering the same exact story but you just like there's so much of a difference in the way they're covering it and it's so funny I love looking at the differences it's it is crazy and it's good to keep I like I say this and but this sounds very like um not freedom of speech is that I feel like everyone should be required to just take a media course <laughs> read whatever you want but just take a course and under like before you go on Facebook, before you go on social, it should just be like a really simple how to discern facts, how to just question and just say, you like, know, is this a fair statement? Did they pull from both sides? You know, so I just I do think there's a lot of um, we like to read what we want to hear and not enough of this is what happened. And there's usually two sides to blame. So and what's so funny is you say before you go on Facebook, and I actually think it's so funny that Facebook is now trying to rebrand because they've been associated with so much bad press and like fake news that now mm -hmm. they're trying to rebrand. I think they're trying to call themselves like meta or something. Yeah. And I'm just like, what is going on here? It's wild. It is. And I will say, I didn't mention this in my first roundup, but I do go to Instagram for like quite a bit of more local news, mm -hmm. um, I, which I think is fine because I, I tend to think local newspapers are a little bit more legit because it's about happenings that are going on mm -hmm. right in your backyard. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, that's, and it's, it, it's like, I think what Instagram does well is that, um, the content's a little bit more digestible for someone who might not have time to sit down and read a newspaper. Um, so it's, it can be tough sometimes. And I mean, so much of me now, like in sports, I, number one, I get so much of my information from this newsletter called the gist. Oh, I love the gist. They're great. I follow them on Instagram too. But I also, I get so much of my news every day from Twitter. Mm-hmm. And like, even just reading articles that are set, that are promoted from Twitter. And like, I just feel like that's so much of like, social media is really becoming the way that we become getting our news and people are ashamed to admit it, but it is, it's what's happening. But I also think to that, you know, to people who judge others for um, just looking at social for their news, I would also say, but these news outlets absolutely know that you're going to social so they're giving you the content that way they're just trying to figure out how to do it um but I think people some people still prefer the physical paper um and that's okay too I think it's just about 
going, I mean, going back to the utter importance of PR, it's just about knowing your audience and Mm -hmm. how to communicate with them. And for me, like, again, like newsletters are really helpful because I also don't need to get overwhelmed with all of the bad news in the world before I start my work day. I need to be, if you know, you want to Mm-hmm. their line of be informed but you know you don't need to go down a rabbit hole of yeah. all the terrible things that are happening I also think people I, I get a little annoyed when people say and the news is all bad nowadays and it's like the news has always been bad the news is not going to report a perfect sunny day they're going to report a hurricane it's just if you want to turn it on or off or not you know so um yeah and see that's the funniest thing about like reading like a PR article and then reading something from the news I know especially like when I write a game recap of something that happened I like I have to keep it as positive as I can Mm -hmm. whereas then like you go to like the New York Post from it and they're like no they sucked yeah and I'm like all right (laughs) um but then kind of moving away from that and switching gears a little bit I want to ask you what did you feel like was the biggest difference between interning at like a smaller communications firm and then interning at like a big corporation like Kate Spade? Yes, because I think that was interesting. That was a good way for me to discern, discern whether when I graduated college, if I wanted to work at an agency or in a communications role internal at a huge company. I think, you know, there's pros and cons to both. I think with an agency it's cool because you get to switch gears a lot and you get to use your brain in different ways. So you're not kind of stuck in one mm-hmm. industry, um, though, you know, as you're going throughout your work day. Um, and then at Kate Spade, when I was internal, it's cool because you can switch departments more often if you want. Like I remember having a few conversations with the marketing department and the copywriting department and it's cool to have those resources at your fingertips where you just kind of you know we do a lot of outsourcing which has been extremely helpful but there is something to say about being in you know internal at a big corporation where you can go to your copy person or your design team like immediately um but I think that if you you know out of school if you want to you know I think for me like the agency route was absolutely what I wanted and needed um, because I think that again you get to use your brain in a bunch of different settings you get to figure out which industries you love working in which industries you don't love working in and you're gonna surprise yourself of which ones you do and which ones you Mm -hmm. did you know didn't think so as much Um, and you'll also be surprised about which ones you can learn about like we I work for a healthcare company right now and doing social for them is one of my favorite things and I'm like wondering why, because it's, I'm not an expert on healthcare industry, but it's like, I'm learning a ton about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And going off of that for, um, but internal, I also see some of my friends thriving at companies they've always dreamed about working for. And I think that is also cool because you get to tap into a different level of creativity, though I will say to caveat that there are a lot of corporate boundaries that often come into play. So when you're an agency, you get to be able, you get to push the boundaries a little bit more. But sometimes when you're in a corporate structure, depending on the corporation, don't get me wrong, but there are those like you got to stick to the brand lines. You have to stick to mm-hmm. um, some of the uh, you know approval processes for designs. But um, yeah, it, it's I, I think for students, the advice I give would to just be 
yeah, like discerning what you want out of um, your career right off the gate and where you're going to learn the most and where you feel like you're going to um, thrive and not have to wait like a few years before the next promotion before you can really start doing things. So, yeah. I think interning at an agency is so important, especially if you don't know what you're going to want to do with that PR degree after mm-hmm. you graduate there's a good chance that you're going to end up at an agency afterwards. And a lot of agencies are looking to hire people that have already interned at an agency because that's Mm -hmm. experience that you're getting. And like, that's so much of a crucial thing. Like I've seen so many people that graduate and they're like, well, I'm not finding a job. And I'm like, well, did you intern anywhere? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, that's why you're not finding a job. Yeah. And you know, it's so hard right now. And I, I really feel for this the generation of the pandemic. And I know a lot of internships got canceled. So for those who are listening who have had those issues with internships getting canceled, I would say to always add your coursework to your portfolio. Mm -hmm. I made a website, you know, the first, like, I think it was like maybe my senior year or something like that. And it had, you know, a few like baby projects on them. Yeah, that is absolutely not my best work, but that was the first thing my current boss now said to me in my interview. She was like, I love that you're online. I love that you took the time to make a website. Um, you know, she obviously wasn't expecting perfection. I was a senior right out of school. Um, but you can put your copywriting projects right mm-hmm. on your website. Um, I would find often that like, you know, I don't know, a lot of my friends would ask me for like resume help because they just knew I was a good writer. And I was like, sure, I'll do that. And it's like, can I add that to my portfolio? And they're like, absolutely. I will write you a testimonial. Like, you know, mm-hmm. or you can also like have fun. And if you think that, you know, Apple's logo needs a revamp, do it and then put it on your portfolio. People don't want to see, they, they don't expect you to have all the experience in the world. They want to know how your brain works. Like they mm-hmm. crave to know if I give them a project or how are they going to twist this? How are they going to think outside the box? So, you know, if you have some free time while you're searching and waiting for a job, make a portfolio, write a cool bio about yourself. Like it doesn't have to be anything super fancy. Um, but you know, you might be surprised how many will be impressed with you. So, and TikTok has also become such a platform for people Mm -hmm. doing that. There's this girl on TikTok and she's like PR moves that this brand should make. And she like, messages them all and then also people are doing this whole like oh if I ran xyz's Instagram it would look like this and TikTok's become such a place for that yeah absolutely and you can I've seen so many you know so many friends who have been applying to places and they're like they're asking for my social and I'm like yeah because they want to know you can maintain a cool social media account um I do, I say this to um, college students all the time. I'm like, you know, treat your social media wisely and you can literally use it as a branding platform for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like if you're a photographer, it doesn't have to be your personal account, make a photography account, who cares? Like, and just show that to your employer, you know, try to figure out what your passion is and try to build a personal brand around Mm -hmm. that because also at the end of the day, they're hiring you. Like they want to want to know who they're working with. They want to know what your interests are, where your passions lie. Um, so keep the social media as like clean as possible. I'm sure they know if you're a college student that you like to go to an occasional party here or there, like that's okay. 
but you know, just keep it, um, mm -hmm. you know, keep it, keep it tidy, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, you don't need to not show your vacation, like go ahead, show it. But um, if you can come up with a funny caption, they might be like, oh, we can hire them as a writer because mm -hmm. they're funny. So, and so moving into where you are now, tell me mm -hmm. about your journey at 212 Communications and kind of getting hired there out of school and then moving up. Yes, crazy, crazy life I live. Um, it's always funny. It's like sometimes what you think you want is not always what you need. And I feel that has been my experience um, at 212 where first, like right out the gate of school, you know, having those two internship experiences, I was like, okay, I'm going to be at like this huge agency and I'm going to be like this little like the first little step on the ladder maybe even not on the ladder yet and then work my way up and be super mm -hmm. scrappy and like that was like my vision of what I thought I wanted but then I met my boss and I met the team at 212 and it was wonderful and I got in so so lucky um I you know what it is I I hate to be so cliche here but follow your gut like if something if you walk in somewhere and you feel like you're at home it's usually the for the place for you mm -hmm. So that's how I felt when I, in, I interviewed at 212. So um, we were like a team of five, like really tiny, but um, you'll find with a smaller agency that's in growth mode, you are going to hit the ground running and have a lot more opportunities than you can even like think about. So I started as like technically an intern, but it was, I was an assistant account executive position. And my boss said, Hey, you know, we definitely are going to need some help in the coming months. Um, we had just signed Coca-Cola at the time. And so she's like, Hey, we're going to need help. So like this goes well and you like us and we like you, like we'll hire you, you know, at the end of these three months. Um, so I ended up sticking around in Baltimore, which is also not something I expected, but was such a great decision. Cause it's, you know, it's such a great city, um, especially like to get your feet wet right out of college. So um, I stayed there. They liked me, woohoo, hired me. And then like from there, um, it was a crazy ride. I definitely started out doing more of the traditional PR, um, tasks, mm -hmm. you know, writing press releases and, um, you know, finding reporters, building media lists, finding awards. I found like award writing awards was one of my favorite things that I did. So um, a lot of the times you'll see these 40 under 40 lists or, um, you know, best workplaces. And a lot of the times, you know, it's a PR person. If, you know, a company can have the help to um, write the best award possible, because so many times I find with clients, um, they are incredible, but they don't know that this, this, those little stories and nuances that is going to get them noticed by the media and by award panels and judges. So I've interviewed so many executives over the year who say, I, you know, like I haven't accomplished much. And then I start asking them questions and I'm like, so what do you do in your free time? They're like, oh, well, I started this nonprofit and I founded this side business and, you know, and then I helped my team grow by 80%. And I'm like, oh, we got to write that down, <laughs> you know, so that's got to go in the application. So um, awards was one of my favorite things to do. Um, and so it was more traditional PR. And then since we have, we should say this too, we have such a transparent work environment, we're more like family than anything. Um, and I said to my boss, like, I would really love some more creative opportunities because I found that anytime I would get 
an, a piece of copy for a Facebook ad or a social post or a radio script. I was like so hungry for it. Um, and I always say you should try to follow the things that make you feel like you're on a first date and you're having butterflies. I think that applies to work too. So anything copy related, anything creative, any design, I was so excited to do. So my boss said like, absolutely, let's figure out a way to get you more, some more creative opportunities. So still to this day, she throws anything creative my way. Um, and I am so appreciative of that. So my role over the years has evolved. Um, yes, yeah, so I went from like assistant account executive to account executive to senior account executive. And then um, as we've evolved, we're actually in like a really nice like trifecta relationship right now where my boss's founding partner, um, Erica, we have our managing partner, Madeline, and then we have me creative partner. So we've built out a really robust um, team of freelancers and wonderful partners. Mm -hmm through that. Um, and yeah, it's been such a journey, but it's been such a fun one. And, you know, I think when you're younger in the industry and you're given so much responsibility at a young age, it can often feel a little intimidating and you don't realize your power. But I also don't think my boss would have given me this responsibility if I couldn't handle it. So I have to constantly remind myself of that. Um, but it's been really fun. Um, and I think, you know, if I, like going through my day to day, like it's so different every day. And I think that's why I'm still so engaged because my brain is very much all over the place, but it's good because I can constantly switch from scheduling a meeting with a reporter to writing a press release to designing a social post and then kind of flip-flopping back and forth in between there. Mm -hmm. And then of course, checking e-news in between all of that to make sure I'm up to speed on my celebrity gossip. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we have a really balanced um, uh, working life. Um, so it, we have unlimited PTO, we set our own hours. Um, it works out really seamlessly because um, I think my boss recognized like you can work, play, have fun, have your life, <laughs> do everything. Mm -hmm. um, it, it works for me because like some days on Fridays, I will be honest, my brain completely dials down and I am like, I want to do my laundry. I want to, you know, plan out my weekend. If I'm going away with friends, I want to get on the road. Um, but then sometimes like on a Sunday, my creativity spikes and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put in a few hours today. Mm -hmm. um, so so interesting from like the New Yorker inside of me. That's like, oh my gosh, it must be like a nine to five hustle mm -hmm. constantly. You must be working like all the time. And um, Erica would always joke with me that I'd always be the first one in, last one out, but there was no reason for me to be. I just thought that's what was expected mm -hmm. of me as like a new intern. Um, so I'm so thankful for her for that because I really think if I had gone a different route, I might be broken at this point. <laughs> like, because mm -hmm. I think I would have pushed myself too hard. I wouldn't have taken like any time for rest. Um, so yeah. So sometimes the New Yorker in me is still like, definitely. Going, what are you doing? Re like resisting it. But then it's like, no, no, no. Enjoy, enjoy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And so tell me about not your parents PR. Yes. So I know that's how you discovered us. Um, it's one of our newer ventures. Um, so we've, we've delved out into two ventures this year where, um, I'll start with not your parents PR. So we have, we have such wonderful opportunities, um, where we are, we largely gain our client base based on referrals. 
Um, but as you know, with PR, um, PR is not always uh, like affordable in everyone's budgets. Some people are not ready for PR right now, but they're ready for it a few months down the line. But mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they don't deserve PR. I think everyone deserves PR. It is so lovely to have like a second set of eyes on something or, um, you know, just advice if you're making like a critical business decision. Um, mm -hmm. So we wanted to create a platform where those who are trying to grow, brand themselves. Uh, we, we work with a lot of um, startups that are like in the venture capital um, phase of their business where they don't have the funds for PR just yet, but they are growing and they are an incredible story for a journalist to pick up. So we wanted to create some resources for those who wanted to do it on their own. Um, we're also, we're still evolving the brand, but we're, you know, also kind of similar to what you're doing is give advice to people who want to join the PR industry and small tips and tricks to make mm -hmm. their, their days a little bit easier, how they can grow professionally. Um, we also post a lot about our work-life balance and culture and, you know, how you can be a better leader. So it's a mix of like inspiration and education for now. Um, and then we'll have some more exciting stuff coming this year um, with more concrete guides and help because some, you know, some people open a new location and they need a press release and, um, you know, the, uh, an understanding of how to talk to a journalist, mm -hmm. um, which is, can be incredibly challenging and daunting. And I get like nerves even to this day because um, I have so much respect for journalists and I never want to waste their time. Um, so I think it's going to be a hub for that. And also to have a little bit of fun with it. You've probably seen our feed. We like to joke. Um, we like to play off some PR nuances. And mm -hmm. um, I got on my first reel the other day. So going to continue doing more of those. Uh, yeah, so that's not your parents' PR. And then the second venture, um, which was spawned by Erica and Madeline. Um, Erica, I forgot to mention this too, but uh, part of the reason why Erica founded 212 Communications was that um, she had two kids who she wanted to spend more time with and she wanted to forge her own path and knew she could do it. She mm -hmm. could have the best of both worlds. Um, so um, she's a mom and then um, Madeline is also a mom and they wanted to talk about their experiences with um, the traditional corporate agency life and I'll, you know, talk about motherhood and navigating that and hopefully helping other mothers see their, you know, tap into their potential, cultivate more joy in working motherhood. Um, so they started a podcast um, and you can find them at Working Mom Hour on Instagram and all platforms. We have Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook there. Um, so we've, we've been a little bit busy on the internal front, mm -hmm. but it's so much fun. And I think we all genuinely enjoy um, pursuing these like side projects. Um, Cause I, I think it's important to give back the expertise you're building. So, yeah. Yeah. And so talking about all those different ventures that you guys have gone on, tell me what a kind of week in your life may look like. I get up, hopefully. That's number one. Just got to bless as soon as you wake up. Um, so for a week, um, Mondays are heavily uh, client meetings. Typically, um, we send out agendas um, and just run through what we're going through, We're going, what's going on through the week. Um, so essentially, it's like kind of like a to-do list, um, but you know, we kind of color code the items that we're handling, the items that we're still waiting on from our clients, but it's nice to have a record of that. 
So Mondays are primarily dedicated to that. I would say for pitching reporters, Monday to Wednesday is like the, the perfect time to pitch. So that is also a good chunk of the day, but really planning out the week is what I would say I use Mondays for. Um, for Tuesdays, like Tuesdays tend to be like some, something's in the water. It's my busiest day. I'm not sure why, um, but um, we'll still focus on media pitching. Um, I'll do, make sure the social calendar is mapped out for the week. Um, so I do a lot. I have a lot of what I do is heavily social. So um, I'm planning calendars like a month out in advance, um, designing the content too, uh, making sure it all makes sense. But also I think the beginning of the week is a good time to say, ooh, did our client get picked up in a news story last week? Okay, I got to make a post for that. That's you know not a part of our originally scheduled content, but kind of goes mm -hmm. into, um, you always want to be immediate with those types of things. Um, and then I'd say like Wednesday, Thursday are more of my creative days. So I focus it on designing newsletters for clients. Um, I'll do um, a lot of, uh, it's usually some of my clear calendar days. So um, I'll do a lot of campaign ideation, um, planning out uh, just like long-term campaigns of, uh, you know, where are we on our social plan? Where are we on our media plan? Do we have the media list ready to go? Um, that's when I'll dedicate a lot of time to finding reporters on like, I'll do a mix, you know, finding reporters who are right for the subject um, can be a challenge, but when you crack the code, it feels amazing. So I'm looking on Cision or PR software. I'm looking on Twitter to make sure they still work for that publication. I go to the mm -hmm. publication's website to, make sure they're still covering that beat. Um, and then I focus it a lot on copywriting too. Um, so we work with a beer company. So I get to write a lot of like fun beer labels and that's so much fun to do. Um, so yeah, like, and then Fridays we have like a team meeting where we meet for an hour to two hours, depending on like how many funny things are going on in our lives that we must discuss. Um, and then Fridays can be like one-off client meetings if something is like urgent that needs to be addressed before the weekend. But we mostly try to take a, a little bit slower on Fridays. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, Fridays for some reason my like press release brain kind of kicks on, so sometimes I'll knock out a press release or two. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's like kind of a week in the life. And then Sundays, I find that like if I can just get like an agenda pulled together on a Sunday night, my brain is a little bit more prepared mm -hmm. when it wakes up on Monday. Um, but yeah. So Amazing. And I really yeah. feel like we've discussed so much in this episode. And so I kind of just have one final question for you. And it's, if mm -hmm. you could go back and do anything in your career or your college life differently, is there anything that you would do differently? I, okay. Yes. Um, I don't like to say I would never change um, any, uh, I guess, I would never change any decision that I've made in my career so far, because I all think it's, I'm, I try to believe in the universe. Mm -hmm. and my anxiety feels better when I just say what's meant to be is meant to be. <laughs> but I would say for college, um, I, I go back and forth. For a hot second, I was a writing minor and I took one course on speech writing and rhetoric and I adored it. So like part of me wishes that I had more time 
to take more of those courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another part of me also feels that like, I would love to have um, done like a double major in marketing because I do think it's important to understand the business side of business. Um, Though numbers aren't my forte, I think they're super insightful. So might want to do that a little bit differently. But other than that, you know, all works out, works out. I would say what I would have done differently throughout my career is just have a little bit more confidence and less of um, the worry back and forth and like mm-hmm. trusting my gut. Um, I think again, being young, a little bit of imposter syndrome and also not realize like recognizing your power and your insight. So often I will like, you know, I'll say the data, like I'll say the social media data and then your clients are like, and, and it's like, Oh, Oh, you want my, my personal thoughts and insight on this piece of data, (laughs) or it's like you have a, they hand you something that they've written and you're like, it's good. You know, you'll make some edits and they're like, and, and it's like, oh, like, here's where I think it should go. And like, here's what audience I think would gravitate Mm -hmm. towards this most. And not to say that I like never do that. I definitely do. I just think it's taken a bit of practice to be like, always take it a step further. How can you make this mm-hmm. more value? Cause again, you're, you, you forget your boss and your clients, they all hire you because they believe in you. So you should believe in yourself too. And so I first want to say, but as someone I majored in English rhetoric, you don't learn anything past the initial class. Like there's nothing, no. there's nothing really <laughs> you learn more. There's not really that much they actually teach you. Okay. So I definitely would not worry too much or spend time thinking about that one because you probably would not have learned that much more. Yes. But on the <laughs> second hand, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and sharing all your tips, tricks, and resources. It's definitely been so great having you on the show. Oh my God. Thank you, Jamie. This has been so fun. And it is so refreshing to talk to someone else from like that knows Queens, like <laughs> not many people do. <laughs>